It's your Thursday daily delivery and a newsy one at that. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Lavelli Neal III joins me here in a little bit. We're going to talk Minnesota United soccer. Emmanuel Reynoso situation heating up over there. Um, almost two weeks until the season starts, he is still not in camp. Lavelle and I will talk about that quite a bit. And we'll get to a Kirk Cousins topic that I thought was pretty interesting. And Lavelle and I got into it pretty good on that. It was a tough night for the Wild. They are officially slumping right now after a 4-1 loss to Dallas. First, though, what did I miss? You didn't think I'd start with anything else. And in this case, it's probably justified. Timberwolves trading, agreeing to trade at least at this point. D'Angelo Russell, part of a three-team move with Utah and the Lakers. Wolves getting Mike Conley Jr., veteran point guard, along with three second-round picks, um, as well as young player um, Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker. So most important thing about this, obviously, is the end of the D'Lo era. I could not be happier about that. Um, Nothing against the guy. Nothing really against some of the skills he brings to the court. I just don't think that was ever... A good fit for the Timberwolves. You know, it was almost exactly three years ago that they brought him in to much fanfare. Um, pairing him with Carl Anthony Towns, that was supposed to be the future. That relationship between the two was supposed to be a big deal. That seemed overcooked at the time. Delo's skill set became apparent pretty quickly that he was a very good offensive player at times, that he was a streaky, a lot of times volume shooter. And that even when he was good this year, which was the majority of this season after a slow start, he 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 was heating up. He was shooting the ball very well. Even when he was a shot maker, his exact skill set was not exactly what the Wolves needed. It was not part of a Chris Finch offense, which is predicated more on ball movement, predicated more on crisp passing, quickly moving around the court, and you know D'Lo more of a. Uh, a ball stopper at times, and a you know a, a spot up shooter, things like that. Wanting a slower pace, um, Chris Finch's offense needs a lot of pace, so it felt like an awkward fit, especially when Chris Finch took over. And this moment just kind of felt inevitable for a long time. Whether you want to call it addition by subtraction, I don't know if that's quite fair because I think D'Lo did help the Wolves quite a bit this year. Um, you did see them score a hundred and forty some points. On, uh, on Wednesday night without D'Angelo Russell, without Carl Anthony Towns, without Rudy Gobert. That should tell you something. Um, just one game. That should tell you a little something. Tough night for the uh, Wolves. will have a hard time scoring without D'Lo crowd out there. But, you know, really a few kind of key thoughts on this. One, it closes the book on the trade from three years ago. Probably the worst move of the Gerson Rosas president era. which An era which, by the way, was off oftentimes quite good. Um, like the Jarrett Culver draft was a misstep, part of that trade. But, um, you know, the rest of what he did largely was good. A lot of the secondary players he brought in, uh, very good. Drafted Anthony Edwards, drafted Jaden McDaniels, um, you know, brought in guys like, you know, drafted Jalen Noel in the second round, brought in guys like Naz Reed and Jordan McLaughlin as undrafted free agents. A lot of those guys, key players in the Wolves rotation now, uh, so, so not trying to besmirch the uh, basketball portion of the Rosas era, but the Russell trade kind of became the albatross on that era because he gave up not just Andrew Wiggins, but a, but a first-round pick that became a lottery pick 
to get D'Angelo Russell, and it, it was an overbuy. It just was. Even if a lot of us were on board with getting Russell at the time, once you became familiar with his game, it quickly became apparent, like I said, that the fit and the player just were not up to the max salary slot caliber that the Wolves were going to need. So then it became, how do you how do you reshape this roster? And I think Tim Connolly did a good job in getting a new point guard in, getting a guy in Mike Conley Jr. who is a veteran, does not need the ball in his hands as much, will be more of a, more of a facilitator, and who, you know, this should not be overlooked, uh, has a lot of history with Rudy Gobert from playing with him in Utah. I might be able to unlock a little bit more of Gobert's offensive potential. Conley's a good three-point shooter, 38% for his career. He's been a solid defensive player throughout his career. You worry a little bit. He's 35, how much miles left there. He is under contract for next season as well, which is an important salary cap distinction. Um, Chris Hine writing about this, I tweeted about this, uh, basically preserving a big salary slot so the Wolves will have some flexibility in how they put that roster together if they had allowed D'Lo to just expire, his contract to expire at the end of this season, um, they only would have been able to add players up to the salary cap, and now they can go beyond that and uh, and and trade and sign players. So a lot of wins within this trade. If you like D'Angelo Russell, it is a sad day, and there are Wolves fans out there who really like D'Lo. I think he was a he seemed like a good spokesperson for the team. Um, you know, never had any bad dealings with him. I just as a player. He just was not the right fit for this roster. He would drive you crazy. The lasting image of him probably is sitting on the bench in Game 6 against Memphis in the playoffs last year, and that really seemed like it was the beginning of the end, right? If you can't trust a guy in the biggest moment, um, you know, an elimination game in a playoff series, are you really hitching your wagon to him long term? The answer turned out to be no. Tim Conley comes in, makes his second big trade of his very short tenure. This one, you know, I like the Gobert trade at the time. That one still, um, I'll give that one a little bit more time. Don't love that one. I do like this one right on its face right now. I think the Wolves got better. I think they're a better team today than they were yesterday without D'Angelo Russell with Mike Conley Jr. We will see if that is true. But right now, the biggest thing for me is the Wolves reshaped themselves. This is Anthony Edwards' team right now, undeniably, and that is a good thing. I'm sure we'll talk about this more on Friday show. Expecting to have Dane Moore, uh, NBA podcast, uh, on with me to break down, you know, the implications of this move from the basketball standpoint, from a salary cap standpoint. Um, so plenty more on this to come. But I think Rudy Gobert is excited about this trade. Saw some video from Utah Media talking to Gobert last night about how much he's in. He he misses Mike Conley and how much he's interested in playing with him again. Uh, I think the Wolves will benefit from this. Again, just a, a, a hard when you see individuals traded because they're human beings, things like that. But from a basketball standpoint, the Wolves are better now, and we'll see how that goes for the rest of this season. The Wild, meanwhile, continued their slide. Two straight losses coming out of the break. They were stumbling a little bit into the break. This one 4-1 against Dallas. Dallas, obviously, a very good team. A better, a better quote-unquote loss in terms of opponent, at least, than the one against uh, the Coyotes the other day. But still, struggling to find any kind of offense. They rejuggled the lines, brought Ryan Hartman back up to the first line. That did not seem to work much at all. Only one goal in this game, and that was a power play goal. So still trying to figure out how they kind of achieve 
both offense and defense, right? That's that's what you're trying to do in pretty much any sport, any transition sport at least, basketball, hockey, things like that, where everybody's playing the same thing and you got to get back, you got to go when it is time. And they just don't seem to have the jump right now to get into the play, to get those five-on-five opportunities that they were getting a lot last season and a lot earlier this year as well. I don't know what the answer is. I talked about it a little bit the other day, how just this lack of a true number one center continues to be the biggest storyline, and they've kind of papered around it with overachievement and the, the sheer brilliance of Kirill Kaprizov, but that is really what's holding them back right now, is still not having that dominant number one center that makes everybody's life easier. So we will see where that goes from here, but they have a tough homestand coming up, and they just lost a bunch of games. They're falling in the playoff race. Still a good chance to make it, but right now looking a lot more tenuous than it did even just a couple of weeks ago. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, let's bring in Lavelle E. Neal III right now, Star Tribune columnist. Want to hit a lot of topics with you today, Lavelle, but first, how are you doing? I can't complain. Um, it's getting warm out, warmer outside. The days are getting longer, so... Uh... It makes one feel optimistic about things in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, we take it. We take whatever we can get, and when it's forty degrees in February, we early February, as it were, we uh, we are happy about that for sure. And I'm guessing you'll get some extended sun at some point if you're going to head down to Florida, probably at some point with the twins. Maybe I'll get yep. to that a little bit later. Maybe we can talk a little twins. But I want to ga- engage you on some soccer talk right away because you and I are probably two of the bigger soccer people on the Star Tribune staff. And I'm just watching more, more or less from afar the, the, the Emmanuel Reynoso story situation with the Loons, where it's been over a month now since they started training, and we still have no clarity on when or if he is going to be able to show up with this team. Is a two-time All-Star, clearly their most important player. When he's healthy, when he's there, they're a much better team. The, the team not allowed, not not able to provide much by way of updates. You know, the Loons, you know, certainly a professional team. We cover them like a professional team, but they're not on the same probably stratosphere yet as the Vikings or the Twins or the Timberwolves or Wild. If this was one of those four teams, this story would be going bonkers. And I, I feel like maybe we should be paying more attention to it. What do you think of it? Yeah, I agree with you. This is something uh, that is troubling to me. And I, the one thing that's in the back of my mind is that does uh, Reynoso want to remain in Minnesota? Yeah. Uh, is, is this is is this his way of saying I want out? I want to be transferred. I don't want to play here anymore. I want to move on. I want to move upward. Does he want to leave MLS and move to another league? Um, you know, he's got this. He's got this court case situation hovering over his head. I don't know if that's playing a role in this or not. Um, but uh, there's more questions to, than answers right now. But if I'm the loons, I, I'm going to tell his agent, I said, look, he needs to be here. Our season starts in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, February 25th. That's like 16 days, 17 days. That's my thing. Once you, once you allow this type of behavior to happen, you know, then, you know, and this is a guy who's what, 26, 27 years old. And 
let's just say he's deliberately avoiding the team because he's hoping to get transferred. Well, this needs to get sorted, and and, yeah. the, and Minnesota United needs to move him and find another playmaker because we've seen what the loons look like when he's not in the lineup, and it's bad because there's no there's no playmaker, there's no person that makes the defense go oh crap. Right. also has got the ball. He's about to do something fantastic and help them score. They, they don't have that guy who strikes fear in defenses like uh, Reynoso, and they need to move on and find someone else. If uh, if he's not happy, uh, say you're not happy, and we're just asking, what do you want right now, Ray? Ray, what do you want? What's going to make you happy? No, wait until the day before the regular season. It's something you can't do to and just show up and, w- and want to play. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think they know what he wants. I, I, yeah. Based on how vague they're having to be right now, I don't, I don't get the impression that they even know what exactly he's what exactly is going on here. And I think, you know, probably complicates things that he's in Argentina right now. He's probably harder to reach when he's there. It, it's harder to, you know, if he was in, you know, if he was a, a short flight away and you could go visit him and you could kind of get to the bottom of this, maybe that would be one thing, but I think maybe the, the distance and the communication there is a little bit of a, of a sticking point too, but you're right. This is this, the, the fact that this has gone unresolved, the fact that Adrian Heath seemed more optimistic a week ago than he does right now about a timetable is very troubling to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And he does have an agent. The agent should be communicating with the, with the, the, the loons as much as possible on this matter. Uh, like I said, I don't know what the conversations are. I don't know what you're talking about his court case. I don't know what you're talking about his happiness. I don't know what you're talking about his health. I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what's that issue here. But what is that issue is that the season's about to start and the rest of the team has been working out for like a month. He hasn't been with the team, so yeah. all of a sudden he's going to drop it to the middle of the lineup, and everything's going to be hunky dory. I, I don't, I, I don't find that, uh, I don't find that feasible. And my thing is this: is that once you start, you let this type of behavior sink in, uh, if he is being a diva and taking his sweet time to get in, into the club, then that's something that's going to cause problems down the road here. Yeah, you're right. You can't allow this to go on if that's what's happening. It's going to be. Right. It's gone on long enough that it's hard to imagine how the resolution would be if he comes back. Right. Like if he if he says, OK, I'll be there next week and he shows up, how how is that going to sit with teammates? How is that going to sit with the loons? I mean, ultimately, you get over these things, I'm sure, as long as he's great on the field and can catch up to speed. But you're missing a lot of valuable time right now. You're missing time to work with your teammates. I mean, they're heading to I think they're heading to Palm Springs pretty soon for another part of this like extended you know, extended camp like they yep. this is this is the time where you're working on all the things you're working on your fitness you're working on your connection like this is the valuable time right now that they're missing out on you should not have problems with your best player you should not uh the best player needs to be engaged the best player needs to be present the next the, the best player should be available and the next the best player should be around his teammates and none of that's happening and it, hurt, it hurts the loons on the short in the short term and in the long run um and like I said, if, if he needs to go somewhere, then the, the I almost said wolves, then the loons <laughs> need to push forward to transfer him somewhere where he's going to be happy and then take whatever money or allocation dough they can get uh, with his absence and try to find another playmaker. Because um, uh, to me, this is not a this is a, this is an untenable situation uh, when a guy is going radio silent on you uh, when he needs to be with the team. Yeah, and the hard part for the loons right now, and we'll move on in a minute. The hard part for the loons, I'm sure, is they, you know, they've run so much of their stuff through him. Like he is so important to their success yep. that it's hard to imagine them, 
just so easily moving off of him and, and finding an equivalent player or close to equivalent player. So I'm sure they're exploring every possible avenue to get him here and make sure he's happy, but you can only acquiesce so much in, in, in making a player happy. And plus, I, you know, I think Adrian, he worked hard during the offseason to try to build a better defense. And and now that new the new rebuilt defense is going to be under attack now because people a guy like Reynoso is not going to be uh, around or in form at the beginning of the season, and that's going to lead to possession issues in the attacking third, which means your 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 defense is going to be put under pressure a little bit more than it should because you're not possessing the ball and playing through Ray uh, the way you normally do. You're right, and they just signed a new defensive player on Wednesday, Miguel Tapias. Looks like he could be, yeah, he could be pretty good for them. So you're right; they could be stronger in certain areas. But uh, if they, if they don't have their if they don't have their playmaker in the middle of it all, it will be a struggle to score goals. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. It's still still a little bit of time. It's just the just the the fact that we just don't know much is 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 the part that that you know a month in is is hard to reconcile. I know, I know, and so much other, so many other things going on in the league, and teams getting better and making moves, and you know, it, it's tired. I know, you know, only so, uh, only a small segment of the population is going to get fired up about this, but you know, people are excited for the MLS season to approach here. Um, you know, last year finished out great, and the season ended with a, a thrilling uh, championship game, you know, Philadelphia and LA. Uh, so uh, I think people want to see if the league can kind of continue to take on take over from last year and you know Reynoso's part of that trend he's part of one of, of the talent more talent players in the league yeah and he's one of the faces in a, of this league if he doesn't believe it he sh- he, he should be and uh he's not around so no. I this I, I I can't wait to see how this ends what gets resolved first Lavelle as we transition subjects uh Reynoso or do we find out about Aaron Rodgers first because he's going into the darkness pretty soon here for his uh for a darkness retreat and he's going to decide about his future uh maybe a little bit after the super bowl it sounds like i, I don't get i'm not buying this darkness thing at one bit you know we can only take so much aaron rogers i i think he does this knowing that he can get away with it he can go on pat mcafee show and say whatever he wants and not get caught out for it okay um he gets in front of the media and says yes i've been inoculated when he had not been vaccinated he right. had, had his own special a procedure to I've been immunized. Yeah, to, exactly. yeah, I've been immunized. That's right. <laughs> you know, to be COVID compliant, even though he wasn't, he didn't take the jab. Um, he says other crazy stuff. And now we're led to believe that he's going to go into darkness for four days. He's going to sit in a dark room, you know, and, and, and just ponder his, his future and his life, not buying it. Uh, he, Cause he can, he has a platform where he could say whatever he wants and get away with it. And I'm I'm not happy about this. So no, I don't think he's going into a four day uh, shell here. He's going to be worst case scenario. He's going to be at some palatial house, you know, probably getting some sun by the pool, you know, <laughs> taking a couple swims and thinking about his career that way. Because once again, you know, he has a different idea with the with the word uh, uh, with the word um, immunized is. Yeah, he probably has a different idea what the word darkness is. His Maybe. idea of darkness could be out in the sunshine just by himself. <laughs> Maybe he does. I, I buy the darkness stuff because I think he is, you know, he is of that kind of of that mindset where he he you know kind of seeks out these sorts of experiences. But I I do here's what I think. I think in I mean I wrote about wrote about this a little bit this week. I think in telling us about this and just his general 
you know, behavior with, with this and other things, I think he's giving us some clues, right? He, he likes attention so much that I cannot possibly imagine him retiring in the same year that Tom Brady is going to retire and then having to go into the hall of fame, kind of riding Brady's coattails. So I think what we know about him from this and other things is that a, if there's three options on the table, retirement, play with the Packers or get traded. I don't think retirement is a viable option, even if he says it is. Yeah. I expect him to play somewhere next year. Uh, I, I think he'd like to see what he could do with better players around him. You know? So I, keep thinking he's going to follow Brett Favre's uh, footsteps and up in the Jets somehow, you know, um, yeah. and go to that, that team that's got some talented players around him. But I, I, I can't see him retiring. And I think uh, Tom Brady would be upset that if, if Aaron Rodgers retired too, because he'd be like, wait a minute, now we're going to share the same podium at the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm not happy about this, you know. I mean, Tom Brady's already moved on to uh, – you know, being like unofficial underwear spokesmodel. Right. So, um, you know, he's he's trying to get going in that second part of his career here. And he knows when Aaron Rodgers entering his realm. No, and I don't think Rodgers is ready for that either. I think he's, even though his numbers were down this past season, I mean, he was an MVP in 20 and 21. I think he's still got good years left in him. I think you're right, though. I think he does want to win somewhere. I think I do, you know, I don't, the, part of the retirement thing is he's he walk away from a lot of money right now. Um, because of where he's at still in his career. And I do feel like he might be in, in that mode where he is ready for a fresh start. I think, I, I don't know if a trade is the most likely scenario, but I think it's far more likely than it was last off season, even though they were talking about it a lot more last off season. Yeah. Yeah. I, but they decide to run it back and do another last, last dance thing. Um, and ended up not being the type of season they wanted. And you could, you could argue you know, part of it's his fault. Part of it was a defense. Um, it took him a while to, it took him a while to find balance with running the ball and passing the ball. I think the last like half of the season, to yeah. achieve that type of balance. Um, and you know, they tried to make a little run there at the end, but they lost at home to the Lions. You know, so um, and what in what ways can that roster around him improve for next year? So yeah. I, I think if he does come back, it's going to be with a different team, man. I, it could be the Jets. It could be maybe reunited with Devontae, with the Raiders. Yeah, maybe. that's possible. That's possible. Um, I don't know where else he could go. Then there's two spots. Um, I know there's teams that have to look for you know, quarterback help, but, uh, you know, there's no bigger there's no bigger stage than New York. And uh, he would uh, he would he would definitely he would automatically put Daniel Brown in, in his shadow as soon as he arrived in, in, in the big apple. So I kind of like the idea of Aaron Rodgers going East uh, to the jets. Do you mean Daniel Jones? Just to, just to clarify. Yes, I died. David, you said Daniel Brown. I don't know who that is. Jones. I'm sorry. Daniel Jones. That's okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, one more thing for you. Lavelle is an interesting tweet that I saw the other day, and it's not a novel idea, but it just wasn't something I was thinking about in the context of the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Um, Anand Anduri said something that should be discussed more. The Chiefs had a perfectly fine quarterback in Alex Smith and traded up for Patrick Mahomes anyway. The Eagles had a perfectly fine quarterback in Carson Wentz and drafted Jalen Hurts anyway. Good enough isn't good enough. What do you think of that in the context of these teams and maybe the local team as well as they're pondering their quarterback future? Uh, well, I... I don't totally buy into that tweet because 
Carson Wentz was having problems with the coaching staff in Philadelphia. And I, I think they wanted to move on from him because he was tough to deal with. Uh, and Alex Smith, it wasn't like Alex Smith has ever been an elite quarterback. He's been a solid quarterback. Maybe a couple times he's been close to all, all, uh, Pro Bowl level. But it wasn't like, you know, they're, they're getting rid of a high-powered, you know, top five quarterback in Alex Smith. So, um, and I knew that year of the draft, you know, because um, I knew someone who knew Mahomes' family that um, the Chiefs were all over Patrick Mahomes from the minute the college season ended. And they were infatuated with the guy and they wanted to bring him in and put him in a situation where he sat for a year. So um, it, it, is there value of upgrading a quarterback? And are you trying to weave Kirk Cousins into this, that the Vikings could improve from Kirk Cousins? I absolutely you know, am. Because Kirk, think about it. Like Alex Smith was 50 and 26 as a starter with Kansas City. They went to the playoffs a whole bunch, but he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to elevate you beyond just getting to the playoffs. And I think Carson Wentz, maybe that's a little bit of a different story, but he was in the, in the three years before Jalen Hurts was drafted, Carson Wentz was very good. He would have been the MVP probably in 2017 if he hadn't gotten hurt late in that season. Um, he was pretty good again in 2018, and he was pretty good again playing all 16 games, 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, good, to- good QBR, um, went to the playoffs in 2019, and yet they draft Jalen Hurts second round in 2020. So I'm just saying neither of those guys probably was your franchise quarterback necessarily at that time. You'd seen enough from both of those guys, one older, one younger to know that maybe that wasn't who you wanted forever, but both of those guys were perfectly acceptable and could have gotten you back to the playoffs. And that's where I think the cousins parallel is not that you need to move on from cousins right now, but is there kind of this dual track where you say, yeah, Cousins is good enough to get you to the playoffs, but if you're going to get to the next level, you got to start thinking about that succession plan now and not later. Well, I I still sense that there's a let's kick Kirk to the curb uh, uh, tone in your voice here, which matches a lot of people in town. It seems Kirk can't do anything right, and yes, he's brought some of this stuff on himself, especially with his uh, vaccination stance last year. But I'm going to say this: I think he's borderline top ten quarterback. In the NFL, I think he's coming off a really good season, and he's played on a team that's had a horse bleep defense in each of the last two years. And that's three that years. Be, but yes, I get you. Is, that is taken. It has to be taken into consideration when you evaluate the the the, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, should he have checked down on that last play against the Giants? No, you know. But play design. Why are we running someone a route for six yards instead of we need to get what twelve yes. or whatever it was? You know. So um, I think I think a lot of people you know, need to take the blame for that one. And if he had decided to wait a second, was he, was he really going to get killed or do you have time to, to hit someone across the middle? I don't know, but I think I just watching the bike as many times this year, this guy's made some brilliant throws. Um, I thought, you know, it was a matter of him having time to throw, but he actually was one of the more pressured quarterbacks in the league uh, this past year. So the fact that he was able to put up the numbers he did, you know, I think does speak to, you know, how talented he is. Um, but he's no spring chicken. And yes, you got to think about the future. And I agree with you from that standpoint is that you got to come up with a way to break loose from, from Kirk. And now it's going to get tougher here because I totally expect the Vikings to renegotiate his contract and, and extend him for another year or two to, to take some financial pressure uh, away from this year because the Vikings are twenty over $20 million over the cap. Yes. More than $20 million over the cap, and that needs to be addressed. And it's going to lead to some tough decisions and some players, not just uh, other than Kirk, probably leaving, you know, after um, uh, in the next few months here. But uh, 
yeah, you, I think I think if you're an NFL franchise, you always are look you're always are keeping an eye out open for young quarterback and talent, and, and to see if they could be molded into someone who could be a good player for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Who knew that Brock Purdy was going to be having a run he had? Right. Uh, but the, the 49ers had no problems taking Purdy when they already had uh, already had Trey Lance on the roster. Right. So that tells you it's probably shrewd to keep an eye open to, for a signal caller um, every year. Even if you yeah. have an established guy, uh, your third string should be a developmental guy, your practice squad guy, whatever. So I I buy that notion. Now, should, should the Vikings move up in the draft to get a top quarterback prospect? How are you going to do is that? This, I mean, they got is this very little draft that? capital, right? They got so much, so little draft capital right now and so much need. That's part of the problem. Right. It's going to be tough for them. So, and they got needs elsewhere. You know, they probably still need some O-line help. They definitely need help on defense. Hey, you've yeah. got to upgrade there. Uh, I can't wait to see what Brian Flores does as defensive coordinator. Yes, I agree with that. He's going to go to the 4-3 or 3-4. You know, I, someone told me that Neil Hunter lost 20 pounds last year because he was going to move to a 3-4. And I wonder if that took away from his effectiveness as well. Maybe. Now, in the 3-4 front, you can still line up four. And right. have a uh, and have an outside uh, a edge rusher with his hand in the ground, um, but there were times that you know Daniel had to drop back in coverage, and I guess he apparently he lost weight in order to be prepared for that. So I wonder if you go to the four three and tell Daniel muscle up a little bit more, big boy, and get back to being the force that you were, that we'll see a better version of Daniel next year. And um, to me, that goes into Flores' decision making pro- process as to what defense he wants to run. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I think fixing the defense is priority number one. It just gets harder to fix the defense when you're devoting so much money to the quarterback, who, like you said, is a borderline top 10 guy. When you're devoting so much money to a guy like Kirk Cousins, who is, like you said, an above-average quarterback, but one who makes a lot of money and doesn't make a lot of plays off script, like a guy like Jalen Hurts can make, like a guy like Patrick Mahomes can make, a lot of things have to go right for you to go on a run. It's much easier to do that when you have a model like the Chiefs who had Patrick Mahomes on a rookie deal for a long time and he was great and now he's getting paid, but he's elite. He's an MVP or Jalen Hurts, who is very good already. And on that, you know, he's making a million dollars or so this year. Like that's that's just kind of plain. You can, you can have you can do so much when you have that. So I would just like the Vikings to be able to get into that position at some point, not saying necessarily this year or even next year, but they got to start thinking about how they develop that next player. And I know they try to do it with, with Kellen Mond and that didn't really work out. That doesn't mean you stop doing it. And the staff shouldn't look at that this year. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that they want to approach Justin Jefferson about a contract extension. Yeah. And then the first number of his annual salary is probably going to be a three. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's going to, when you have two guys, you know, that's Kirk and, JJ making 60 million that that means two guys will be making about a quarter of the twins of the, I'm sorry of the Vikings payroll right because it's, be, it's supposed to be a, well about 18 about 20 percent okay yeah. I think the payrolls are 260 or something like that yeah so, I think the cap is like 225 next year okay if it's 225 next year then 60 million 225 oh well that's yeah, that's so more than like a quarter yeah it's, it's a little a little over a quarter yeah it's a lot I wonder how how you put together a team that way. You you have to you have to um, hit bullseye on a lot of draft picks for that to happen. Right. That means you got to have a, like a third rounder and a fifth rounder click. You yeah. Know? So scouting and development still get comes into play here because it keeps you it allows you to keep it allows you to pay good players a lot of money while you're using guys as rookie contracts uh, to 
to fill out your roster. So, well, and and one final point on that too is that Jefferson probably will have a say in this in terms of the quarterback and the guy with whom he set a lot of these records. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been his quarterback the whole way. He he might not want some sort of unknown commodity or unknown you know guy in there while he's you know in the prime of his career. So that that's all part of the part of the equation right now. I'm just saying. Like both of those teams, it's just interesting to think about the Super Bowl teams and the path they took to get to where they are right now and how they weren't content to be good at quarterback. They wanted to be great. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, you know, roster construction, it's going to be different for each team, you know. And so um, the, the the Vikings are trying to do it with, with a guy who's not, you know, a guy who makes plays with his feet. And he's trying to prop up a defense that's not that great. But he does have the best wide receiver in football yeah, he does. Uh, as a teammate and he may have a new running back next year. You yes, know? he will. So that, that's good. That's going to be uh, an issue too. So, and you may have a different number two receiver uh, next year. So um, that cousins Jefferson, the connection needs to be strengthened and fortified uh, yes. because that's going to be the best route for the Vikings to be in a good offense next year. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. We'll see how the Super Bowl goes. I think it'd be a great game. Looks like two pretty evenly matched teams. I hope both quarterbacks are healthy enough to be the best versions of themselves in that game because that could make for a pretty epic, uh, pretty epic game. I think I like Philadelphia. I think they're a better overall team, but I wouldn't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think Philadelphia has an opportunity to run the ball and Chiefs effectively. Um, I used to work at Kansas City, so I got a lot of friends down there, and they, you know, are. They are stoked for this one, but they they would take a narrow victory uh, instead of a glorious victory. There's a lot of people are going to vote for Kansas City because they don't like Philadelphia or Philadelphia yes. fans. You know, so they may have the sentiment of the football world on their side. But if you the level heads and the people who are probably gambling on the Super Bowl are probably like, yeah, take Philadelphia to cover. It's just it was just one and a half yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if the spread has changed, but. I think your head is Philadelphia and your heart's with Kansas City. I agree. Well, we'll see where it winds up. Lavelle, appreciate your time as always. We'll catch up again soon, all right? Anytime, my friend. Good stuff from Lavelle. And I think we probably didn't mention enough in our analysis of what the Vikings should do about the quarterback position long term is that, A, this is not supposed to be a great quarterback draft this year, and, B, the Vikings just don't have a lot of draft capital. And in order to get more, they would have to trade down a little bit. And if you trade down, you're taking yourself out of the conversation for some of the more elite talent. So I don't know how they solve this equation right now. I just I just thought it was interesting to think about Jalen Hurts, to think about Patrick Mahomes, to think about the teams that drafted them and where they were when they took them and how they were in situations that they could have said, hey, we're just fine. And instead, they went for it with different with to to different varying degrees and wound up with quarterbacks who are now starring for them heading into the Super Bowl. Quickly, the cooler, Aaron Rodgers heading into the darkness. He's going on this darkness retreat right after the Super Bowl. Could not help but think, though, how a guy who desperately wants to seem interesting, who desperately wants attention, is telling us that he's heading into the darkness by shining a big light on himself. It's just very classic Aaron Rodgers. And if it tells me anything, it's this. He wants the attention so much, there's not a chance in the world that retirement, even though he says it's an option, there's not a chance in the world to me that that is going to be the outcome of his decision once he comes out of this darkness retreat, this meditation, which I think, by the way, not to disparage it, I think it's pretty cool. I would love to do something like that. I think something like that would would give you some of the clarity you need. My my issue is that you don't need to go tell everybody about it because 
kind of the purpose of it is to gain that clarity, is to kind of be by yourself, to sit in that moment. You don't need to tell everybody beforehand unless you are trying very hard to be interesting. Long story short, I think there's no chance he retires, and I still do think now that a trade, instead of staying with the Packers, feels like a more likely option now than it ever has, and we will see how that plays out once he returns again to the light. That'll do it for me today. Dane Moore coming up on tomorrow's show, like I said, to talk more Wolves. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. I'm Michael Rand, back at it again tomorrow.